Hi, I'm Ira Marlowe, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with Andras Jones. Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Put a question to the song, let's randomly select it without of our friend synchronicity. Welcome to the Radio 8-Ball Show. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, here at the Monkey House in Berkeley, California on October 16th, 2018, with our musical guest and my old, old friend, Ira Marlowe. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Ira. Thrilled to be here. And you have eight songs on the board, numbered one through eight. Those are going to be the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. And uh, would you mind just playing a little bit of uh, something for me to read the song titles over? Song number one, The Wilderness Years. Song number two, If We Were In Love. Song number three, Vaudeville. Song number four, Schlitz. Song number five, Brother Time. Song number six, Forever. And song number seven, Modern Times. And song number eight, The Wish. Those will be the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. That's the eight songs that will be used to answer the questions throughout the show. We're going to be joined by six guests throughout the course of the show, either joining us in the studio or calling in. Ira, would you mind telling us who those guests are? Maurice Taney, an amazing local songwriter. But first... But first... Who's the first? Oh, the first guest is Jenna Canody, also an amazing local songwriter. I don't know the sequence exactly, but I think Maurice Taney is perhaps next. Yes, he is. Allie Weiss. Absolutely. Another great talent. Uh, Amos Glick will be joining us remotely, like Allie. You have a friend you oh, Don't forget Eric Saxby. Eric Saxby. Yes, indeed. And then my the friend... Band, Three Drink Circus. Erica Russell will be joining us. And the last question of the show, as always happens, is provided by our musical guest. He wrote it down before the show... All you paper fetishists, gather around. That is getting really well worn. Uh, and that is the uh, that will be the question which goes with the last song on the board when we've gone through seven musical divinations. And as is always the case and is one of the banes of my existence, the show always starts with the host's question, and I always agonize over it. And as I, as I tell everyone who, who has to think of asking a question for the show, uh, everyone feels bad about their question. No one thinks it's good enough, and it always is. So I have to trust that I am included in that, that uh, just like I'm pretty sure everyone else's questions are great, my question's probably great, too, even though it pains me to think about it and to consider asking it. Now, with all of that 
as uh, context and a preface for it, I'm going to completely digress and dive a little bit into my relationship with Ira because Ira and I have known each other uh, 30 years. Very close to that. Yeah. yeah, about 30 years. Now, Now we're here we're recording in the the, uh, the studio space at the, the Monkey House, not the performance space. Now, the last time we did a show uh, at the Monkey House, uh, we did a Radio 8 Ball show as part of a Sync Summit that the folks who I put who put out my book, the Sync Book Press, uh, did here in October of... Three years ago? Four years ago? Yeah, probably, yeah. October 2014 or 15? 15? Yeah, probably. Sounds right, yeah. Um, and uh, we did it on a we did it on the stage when you had a, a graveyard set. That's how I, how I remember that it must have been October. Uh, that would have been 2013, oh, I think. Oh, 2013. Okay, well, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um... But we knew each other from long before this, and I was trying to tell someone the story of how we met. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, I remember very well. But I remember getting your tape in the mail. That was after we'd met, though. When, so you, you we, we met at the Allen Monkey Cafe, and I and you, I must have given you my record because you sent me yeah, your I remember, tape. I remember running jogging with it on my Walkman yeah. and being really impressed and moved by it. Oh, was that, it was a cassette. Back, it was a cassette, yeah. Yeah. I think you might have had CDs, but I did not have a CD player. Yeah, yeah. So you gave me Mr. Jones and the previous cassette. Cassette, yeah. and you sent me the most beautiful letter of appreciation about it and your own cassette, like very humbly offering it like, oh, I think you might like this. And that record, that cassette, ended up in my cassette deck for years and years and just be, I f- absolutely fell in love with that and you know it was uh, it's been one of the more uh, I don't want to say fruitful because I don't know what it's yielded in terms of fruit <laughs> but it's one been one of the more blessed uh, relationships I've had in this business uh, you've never ever disappointed me as an artist uh, everything it means a lot you know it from the very first time you you are one of those songwriters who whose voice is is what it is if you like an ira marlowe song you're probably going to like all the ira marlowe songs except unless you're ira marlowe <laughs> in which case you know, the jury's gonna you know i see the look on your face people invariably <laughs> like some more than others <laughs> yeah i'm sure but to me that's that's the mark of the songwriters that i love the most like yeah, there are some Paul Simon songs that I like more than others, but if you like Paul Simon, you're in you're you're going to like him. You at least appreciate what he's going for. Yeah, it's the sound know. of his voice. It's yeah. there's you ne- you're never going to get a Paul Simon song that sounds like what the hell what the hell is this? It's so produced that you lose whatever it was mm. that I don't know. Some Paul Simon songs are so produced you lose whatever. Oh, well, we dis- <laughs> well we disagree there. We disagree there. But we had that's one of this is one of the things we we have had many <laughs> many disagreements about particular artists but i don't feel like we've ever had a real disagreement about music if that makes sense i think that makes sense i it, what's funny about about was as i was telling the story to my friend all i really remember i maybe this is the way life works i remember getting your tape i don't remember give i don't remember i remember you getting up and playing the aaron burr song about duels <laughs> and the um sojourner truth song oh at the owl monkey yeah. yeah and i guess Either you didn't hear me play or it went right past you, but I guess the cassette at least made an impression I, there. You know, you know, when you're performing, my thing is like, I have so, like, I played so many shows and I am such a, 
Well, this actually gonna this actually goes to my question. This actually goes mm-hmm. to my question because, especially now, like as I've taken on this Radio Eight Ball show, the show never ends. Mm-hmm. So I'm always in production, some right, level right. of production. Either I'm booking a show or I'm editing a show or I'm doing one or I'm promoting one. And then synchronicity is always going on all the time. So you're kind of always in it. And so when you talk about us playing that show at the Owl and Monkey and me not really remembering that show, it's that my experience of being in promote in performance mode is so much out and about sort of about my personal experience and putting it out there that I don't really there's so mm-hmm. much I don't remember there's places that I played that I love 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 and if you ask me their name I'm like uh, I know it was in Waterloo Ontario mm-hmm. but I can't remember it's all a fog um, and recently and this this goes to my question recently I've had this experience where I've been noticing that the people who like me are a lot of the people I meet who like me and like what I do are pretty intimidated by me. And the people who uh, who don't like me and I encounter, I probably more than most people, I <laughs> encounter or draw negative energy from, from folks. And a lot of times it seems like out of misinterpretation. So it's like it's really hard to... Con- to it's hard to, to learn something. Like if someone says, right. you know you're such a raging alcoholic and you know you don't drink and you're like i wish i could learn something from your critique and change some behavior but i would have to become an alcoholic to stop being an alcoholic to take your note so i've had to like sort of parse that and then try and still always still i'm as an artist you know like the game is constant a constant perfecting of the instrument so even with a bad note there's something you can learn like what was it that i did that allowed them to misinterpret me in that way but i guess a lot of this whether it's the people who uh, like me and are intimidated by me or the people who don't like me and are misinterpreting some malevolence from me that (laughs) is not intended you still have to live with it because you live with people so the question I'm, I've been struggling with, and then there's just my own internal experience, which is I walk around pretty focused on what I'm doing and the experience in my body a lot of times is being, I guess, I guess being, I'm not stressed out, but being, having something that I'm having to work on, like right. figure out, like no, I need that. to make this work or I need, you know, I need to get to this place and I'm focused on doing that. And in the midst of this, leaving people in the wake, in my wake, who have this experience of either being intimidated and not feeling like they can express themselves or feeling insulted and feeling like they need to express themselves. And that only sort of like exacerbates my, like I'm realizing that now knowing, getting these reflections, now I'm going into more interactions, being super hypercritical of myself and that stresses (laughs) me out even more. And we even, like I won't go into it, but we even had a little bit of a like, like putting these shows together I'm a little bit of a madman and like if I get my flow broken or something I need to like I don't know find a way to put myself back in my body and pretend like I'm a cool person when in fact I'm not and don't feel like <laughs> one at all. I, so this is all leading to a question and I and I this is where I this is where I get lost in my questions is I, I get lost in the context but if I was going to put this in the form of a question to the pop oracle of your music 
the question would be if I can't change the misinterpretations of people around me, how can I not let them affect me and become self-fulfilling prophecies, Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, that's my question. How can I not take on the these projections and misinterpretations and more so how can i really how can i keep them from becoming self-fulfilling prophecies and now to engage the pop oracle if you wouldn't mind chunking away on an a for me i'm going to pick a card any card i'm gonna pick a card any card pick a card yeah song number Eight. That's profound. The Wish Ooh. from Ira Marlowe. My fairy godmother is a different girl. Red velvet gown down to the ground and gray curls She smokes those long dark cigarettes that burn like tar and licorice Stands by the beggar man's fountain Drops a coin Says make a wish Make a wish kid Make a wish kid isn't the first time she's called out my name but I lost my nerve and she faded away like a dying flame and now she's come from years away where I left my dreams behind she says baby there's an easy way and you ain't much time make a wish kid make a wish kid then you're mine dream just for a day take me alive take me What's the difference? A wish or a prayer? See, I've searched high and low, but I stopped long ago. Now I no longer care. But sometimes on the darkest nights, I still see my lover's eyes. Now I wish to be free from that pitiful dream that touches me. Sometimes My fairy godmother She made no reply Then finally she spoke As I stood in the smoke Of her flickering eyes You're prepared 
to walk this earth without the smallest dream. Ain't nothing how could show ya you ain't already seen. Make a wish, kid. Make a wish, kid. This one's on me. Dream just for a day. Take me alive. Take me away. And that was the wish from Ira Marlowe, the answer to my question how can i not take on the projections and reactions that uh that i generate and how can i avoid them becoming self-fulfilling prophecies that's uh, there's definitely a lot in there but before we get into interpreting it for me ira can you tell us a little bit about the background of that song i wrote that song uh Shortly after I'd moved to San Francisco, right around the time I met you, actually, and I was being courted by this music industry guy who I sort of intuited as being rather sleazy. And next thing I knew, I remember walking down the street and just singing the song. What's funny about it is I teach songwriting and I teach my students it's never too late to keep rewriting your song and making it better. And I changed the lyrics literally 20 years after I wrote it almost because uh, my fairy godmother, it was originally my fairy godfather was mm-hmm. the first line is a something something and then it said black shirt, white tie which is what the, the mafiosi always wear in the movies yeah. so got a black, you know, and I kept that line for years and it made no sense and I finally changed but basically what it, it's a Faust story, you know, it's about Making a deal with the devil, and in the song, the devil actually takes sympathy on this character, you know, and says, Jesus Christ, pal, you know, if you have nothing left to hope for at all, then let me throw you a bone, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, so maybe it's about sympathy for the devil, maybe some sort of a, or sympathy from the devil, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm just wondering how that relates to your question. I mean... Well, I do think that we are... We are all sort of damned by our own consciousness, by the stories we tell ourselves. And honestly, with that song, especially when you talk about the when you when you talk about the the story of that song, I think we both had that in our early songwriting that we both wrote songs that were consciously saying no to the record industry that might have <laughs> given us a career. <laughs> and so in a sense, you know, I think, and I, it, we didn't necessarily, we came by that naturally in some degree, to some degree. And also we came by that from the stories of our, the, the artists, like I'm looking at the artists on your wall, like Pete Townsend spent a lot of time criticizing the record business. The, you know, a lot of the artists who, you know, Prince is on your wall. Sure. He's been a lot of time. There's a lot of evidence to say that the record in- industry is, uh, is a bunch of, bad fairy oh, godfathers. It's, it's pretty irrefutable. But at the know. same time, 
those artists who I know who were friends of mine, friends of yours as well, who were able to welcome what the what the record industry had to offer have had well they're in the position they're in a position where I sometimes wish that I was where just like I had more resources to help other people like if I was playing big shows I could be putting more people on opening for them I mean my impulse has always been to collaborate and to elevate other talented people and one of the great frustrations I have in my life is that I haven't been able to do what I wish the record industry had done for me right. while I was punching it in the face and saying stay the, stay the hell away from right. me you vultures you monsters yeah. and I've actually had the opportunity to have people on the show who I knew back then mm-hmm. who I thought were terrible people who are really just wonderful music fans maybe they were giving not the best deals to the people they were giving the deals to, but they weren't the ones who were determining what deals were given. They're the ones who were out there on the street coming out to my show, asking to get in for free to see me, to maybe give me an opportunity. And I was the one saying, no fucking guest list for record guys. They're there because they appreciate great music and they're looking for great music. Right. And even if the people above them, you know, Writing the contracts and you know and holding the purse strings might not care about music at all. Very often, the A and R people are passionate about it. You know, right? So I guess my I guess when I listen to this, I think about. I mean, this isn't a judgment of you; it's a judgment of myself. It's, it's something that I've spent a, a fair amount of time recently looking at. Is how there was a real, what I thought was a very righteous stance and sort of a a mark of integrity was just me projecting onto people and killing off possibilities and making judgments that just were inaccurate. And so when I think about what this song, where this song comes from, and I think about the the question that I'm asking about worrying about how I'm perceived and how that uh, creates a feedback loop that could become a... uh, self-fulfilling prophecy that that i guess the like the the make a wish kid and all of that is that it's really again the stories we tell ourselves and that even just by spending as much time as i do worrying about navigating misinterpretations is just another facet of that and that um you know, honestly, I don't really have a, a clear interpretation of this right now. Um, mostly I'm just confronted with the the whole dynamic of what I'm trying to, what, where the question comes from and dealing the, you know, the, what would be, it's not even the, the song isn't really a, have about, it's not a cynical song, especially as early in your career as it was. It's a very, it's actually a very almost naively hopeful song or naive like again projecting myself into it where that comes from is this naive sense of invincibility and i don't need you and all the best ones did it on their own when in fact all the best ones made that devil's deal no it seems to me you're talking about how i describe the origin of the song rather than the song itself i mean yeah. I, see, I see the song itself i mean to me my interpretation of it in term in terms of your question is the bottom line is we have to learn to control what we can control 
you know, and and cast aside other things. And I think a lot of those voices you hear and all those opinions are basically the devil. They're basically this sinister force that you can either internalize and let torture you or you can find a way to separate yourself from. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think, you know, when we get feedback from the world, it's our job as adults, the more we learn about how to live, to filter in what is useful, what can I learn from, and what is just noise that's only going to distract me or hurt me. And I just, you know, and it's not always that easy to have that filter, but I would sort of personify the, de- the devil as the, the darker side of that, the people, you know, who, you know, information you can't do anything with. So you just have to just, you know, it's like, is there a devil? I don't know. I choose not to believe in the devil. You mm-hmm. know? Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, in my case, the devil live, definitely lives in the echoes of those things in my head. Um, and I, uh, I'm constantly looking for wonderful distractions like your songs to, a, like, and the, just songs in general are a wonderful way of basically both giving you the medicine and the poison in one space. And we're going to be digging into many of those throughout the show. I'm looking forward to getting into all of that. And we're going to be now digging into the next seven musical divinations on Radio 8 Ball. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show.